0: Chapter 9 of Man and Nature on the Broads by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. September in Broadland. When Autumn Scatters His Departing Gleams, Warned of Approaching Winter, Gathered Play the Swallow People. By Thomson the glories of the broadland summer are on the wane yet september is one of our most delightful months and though the beauties of flora are not so widely broadcast pomona is smiling upon her ruddy orchards there is a decided change creeping over the face of nature many of the birds of summer are on the move and the sounds which greeted the ear in the longer days are replaced by a different order. The harvest is ended, the fields are shorn of their beauty, and the Thatcher has all but completed his roofing in of the cornstacks. The weather is yet warm and balmy, the sportsman is out with dog and gun in the stubbles, and Farmer Giles and Hodge, are putting their thrashing machines in working order much of the poetry of country life is obsolete the flail is no longer heard upon the thrashing floor and the gleaners are among the shadows of the past there is little in the hum of machinery to awaken the poet's muse and behindhand broadland has followed in the wake of the more advanced agricultural districts an early september morning finds us hastening on our way into the land of the broads we are our own geus for the nonce for the modern bike has usurped the place of yacht and horse and railroad there is much professed appreciation of the beauties of the surrounding country from the saddle of a safety but the temptations to hurry the obscuring tendencies of dust and the several other obstacles to observation that are obviously incidental to it make such statements doubtful for the eyes and the mind are much too preoccupied to allow them to wander far aside one wants to dawdle and to mardle or gossip in the lanes as the bees do among the florets to extract interest from them we have turned our backs upon the sleeping town whose streets have been handed over to the drowsy policeman and the sweeper the town sparrows have only just hopped down upon the roadway The late broods of house martins are twittering in the doorways of their rude clay tenements. The shrill cry of the swift is no longer heard above head, and the swallows will be congregating today upon the elevated electric wires, discussing their approaching journey southward. As we glide along the turnpike, sounds of bird life betoken that the feathered tribes are beginning their daily avocations snatches of song are indulged in by the thrush and blackbird whose domestic cares and worries are again ended and if that sweet mellow song we now heard is not the roundelay of the woodlark we are very much mistaken the dew is still upon the hedgerows and the grass beneath them the big nets of the geometric spider suspended upon the thorny sprays are beaded with diamond drops that sparkle in the sunlight and the stubbles are interlaced and covered with the filmy flakes of gossamer yon partridges hastening towards the shelter of the herbage at the hedge side Are not well pleased with the close-shorn fields if the foliage of the trees was beautiful when the year was younger it is far from unlovely now when tinted and bedecked with the colours of autumn a few of the leaves have fallen and many are fading and will ere long become a part again of mother earth the naturalist to whom all life is dear sighs and regrets that we all do fade as a leaf yet feels assured and satisfied when he remembers that a new life will dawn again when the snows of winter are ended there are but few wild flowers enlivening the monotony of the hedge-bottom in which the yellow bracken is spreading its big serrated frondage the fleabane dots the coarse herbage with yellow and the clinging festoons of the great bindweed are hanging out their pinky white flower-bells the purple nightshade is flowering freely and the honeysuckle above it is yet adorning the hedges with its sweetly scented sprays the hawthorn berries are assuming a ruddy hue the old fir trees behind them are heavy with their myriad seed-cones while here and there the taller birches and oaks and ash trees cast their shadows over them by the time we are fairly within sight of the broads the country folk are stirring the clanging of the anvil at the village smithy rings out clearly in the quiet morning faint blue smoke curls upwards from low chimneys there is scarcely sufficient wind to scatter it or to turn the sails of the quaint old mill in the centre of the hamlet. There is not a ripple upon the river that meanders slowly by, and in whose clear depths the houses and the white sails of the yacht moored at the little staithe are graphically reflected. A couple of yachtsmen on the bank are preparing for their morning dip, a mile beyond us lies spread the waters of the broad we walk our safeties uphill staying a moment beside a stile to take a glimpse at a furzy knoll and the spreading landscape beyond it we clamber over to examine a gaudy wildflower that has attracted our attention a wheat ear starts up from a slight depression Wherein it has been hunting for ground loving spiders, perches daintily upon a fur spray, flicks its tail, and darts away again to some fresh location, making its white rump conspicuous in its flitting. There are a number of others which are congregating ere they make for the downs of Sussex on their way to cross the channel. There is a host of linnets, small flocks of them. Are already working southward from the northern moors, our homebred birds are congregating the birdcatcher evidently knows it. Yonder is one of the fraternity. Let us beard him. He salutes us with a nod and mornin gentlemen and then resumes the attitude of attention with his pullover cord in one hand and the string which works his trigger bird in the other the calls of his cage decoy birds have announced the arrival and passing over of a parcel of linnets. the man's face is all animation as he pulls the lever of the trigger up and down and the little bird braced upon the end of it flutters its wings in order to keep upon its perch down go the poor creatures into the fatal space between the clapnets, which are instantly pulled up and over upon them. Farewell, for ever, sweet liberty and fair scenes of early days and friendships. Let us describe the birdman's surroundings and his stock in trade. Firs, bushes, and thistles dot the outlook for several acres, on an open space two huge oblong nets are so spread that when pulled by connecting cords and stakes the area between them is covered by the turning over of the twain inside are spread a quantity of chickweed and other dainties beloved of linnets, which form his principal catches upon a couple of long twig levers a linnet and a goldfinch are generally fastened A piece of kid glove, cut something like a pair of braces, and known as such, is placed around each bird, and by means of an eyelet below, each is fastened to the stick. The jerking of these up and down attracts the passing migrants. Around the net are placed little sentry boxes of cages, in which flutter a well-trained series of linnets goldfinches siskins and such like each of whom saluting the wild individuals of its species too often unwittingly lures them into a like captivity and now the man finds he has a tongue and to a question or two gives somewhat evasive answers but presently over a well-filled pipe thaws into conversation and becomes communicative what bards do i usually catch well bore it's mostly linnets that i'm arter but i ain't particular if i can trap a few draw waters or goldfinches as well which pay better than any others Aberdivines or siskins and red poles they pay for the catching too but law "'there ain't near the bards there war when I was a youngster, "'not of the sort as I want anyhow. "'Why, I've catched eight and ten dozen cock linnets in a mornin', "'where I takes only one or two nowadays. "'I suppose the chopping-up of fuzz-bushes by the knock ball golfers ha' cleared out some of their breeding places. "'I know for sartin' they have at Yarmouth, where ketchin's about done for, and maybe us fellers, though I say it myself, have summat reduced the stock and no wonder when ye reckon up the hundreds of thousands we're trapped, say for the last ten year, look at them draw waters, why they've come as scarce as lion shillings, where they used to be as common as sparrows, but keep yo quiet. Here's Suffin a comin', and Suffin does come, but refuses every call and enticement to enter the fatal area. After wheeling round once or twice, the parcel of wary birds fly onward. They've been pulled at afore and ha growed artful. What do I do with my birds? Well i have reg'lar buyers up in whitechapel as takes all i like to send em at so much the dozen one feller takes every mortal thing i like to send him songbards and any other sort as is stupid enough to patronize my nets and i've ketched a rummin or two in my time there's one or two folks as collect bards in the town, and they're crazy for to have any queerance as I catch, and pay well too for em they do. Let me see. I've netted a Richard's pipit, a White Wagtail or two, several shore larks, and three or four Lapland Buntons, besides some as I can't remember their names. It's like this boar. We know the common ones, and anything as isn't common, why, it's uncommon, d'ye see. Then we make the best market on em we can. Some years ago I catched a bird as I thought were a curious linnet, and sold it for a tanner or sixpence. It throwed up a couple of ear wiggles in the cage. What were it? Well, I heard out awards as how it were a barred warbler and changed hands at four or five sovereigns that's what you get for want of education. just a minute gents our catcher who is successful this time runs to make sure of half a dozen captives struggling under the nets four are let go again and the other two are placed in a darkened store-cage in which a struggling mass of birds are fluttering and rasping their bills against the cruel wires poor terrified wretches them were hens as i let go he resumes they baint much use jest now and never is cept i've got a order for shootin matches then sparrows and anything up to starlin's come in handy now I do set my foot on that sport as bein' in no wise respectable, and ain't it against all reason and feelings of kindliness to shoot poor things as ain't a atom a chance of escapin', except when sich fellers bang away as don't know one end of a gun from t'other. I wouldn't let 'em have em, only I'm glad o' the money they fetches. I were a long time afore I could swallow my squeamishness over catching bars at all. you will see that right hands crippled? I got that some years ago in a thrashing machine, and being no farther use for farm work, and knowin' I must do summer, I bethought me of a doin' this. Look here, Jack Saunders, says I that's me, you know. Y'all to do it if you likes it or not when i seed my fast lot of birds a rasping madly at their prison bars a flutterin' poor things to find a way out again and shrilly piping in a scarified sort away of way with vexation and terror i could ha' let em all go again but i didn't for i reason this wise thinks i what is there as we wear and use and eat and even sleep on as wasn't at one time part of some other being as we'd robbed or killed or sich like why the weary boots i'd on my feet was once on the back of a hoss and a bullock and more'n one old hen were kilt to make that feather bed then again thinks i poor critters ye'll be shut up in a little cage and hung up in some stuffy alley or out of some slum winder to breathe unpure air and never see green stuffs again but then you will gladden some poor critter's heart wi your singin remindin' em of years long gone by when they was country folks theirselves. And MAKING sorrowful hearts forget their sadness in the pleasant memories of the past. And you'll get your grub for sure and sartin. And so the squeamishness wore off. And here I am a tryin to catch em still. And have been these sixteen year and more. I love the open country. And to hear the jolly songs of the bards. I never hurts em. And I don't know as I'm worse than many other naturalist bloke, for don't some on them catch and kill, stick pins through beetles, root up the wild plants, knock over buds, or get others to do it for em. I know this ere job is looked down on, but let him as is without fault, hull the first stern, and they mustn't chug em as lives in glasshousen so says i much more about larks and greenfinches and a host of others is told us of their respective value and qualifications of their ways and habits the man's calling and his environment all tend to make him a keen observer of nature in her varied aspects he tells us of his other doings how that he ferrets for rats And helps to trap vermin for the gamekeepers and of a host of other odd jobs that fall to his share in the circuit of the year, and that all play their part in the maintenance of hisself and the old woman, and in keeping them out of the workers. His patter would simply fill our columns if placed therein in detail, leaving our bikes in the care of the village innkeeper we find ourselves at length by the limpid waters of the broad we have been not a little amused and interested in the doughty frequenters of the old boar's head some of whom have arrived there earlier than ourselves whilst others have been dropping in as we are munching our cheese and biscuits and sipping our glasses of ginger beer Big strong fellows they are, with towy heads and tousled beards, whose lives have been spent at the Plowtale and upon the Fenland. Their attire is more accommodating than picturesque, and more grotesque than fashionable. Fashions alter slowly and stand for nothing in Broadland, save when Marianne has a few days' holiday from her place and then she, in her less tasty than gaudy attire, becomes the transient envy of the village maidens. Our friends in wideawakes and fustians like their beer, but generally have the good sense to avoid excess. There is the usual small and tall talk that seems incidental to the pewter pot and the ale mug. Old yarns are spun, no doubt, for the hundredth time and it isn't all gospel that is dispensed in the village alehouse, any more than it is in the city snug. But the moral atmosphere in general is, fortunately, purer. The latest village intelligence is sifted and dispensed in between their tippling, and by the time their pots are empty, each one knows that Cadder Duffel is blessed with his twenty-third baby, that farmer stubbs's colt has broken its knees and that the squire's latest litter of puppies is a likely lot of critters much personal history has been raked over and even the wrongdoings of parliament have been right-sided by the village snob and tailor who were here as everywhere else the most know some old fogies in the village democracy a trifling episode does much to vary this dull monotonous diurnal round of conversation an itinerant quack doctor drops in with his baggage he is trudging on his way townwards but is glad of a rest and a refresher to break the irksomeness of the journey he is a keen ready-witted fellow with an eye to business why shouldn't his halt be turned to some account straightway he begins to patter the host rests upon his elbows open-mouthed the unsophisticated rustics take in his lecture a slight wink at us passes unnoticed by the others in minutest detail every ill and many others to which mortal man is subject is expatiated upon the usual pains in the back Dizziness in the head, and all the fearful catalogue a hotchpotch of wisdom and eloquence, chiefly strung together from circulars advertising patent medicines. Burly men are led to believe they must be suffering from one complaint or another, or may do, and big freckled hands dive deeply to where coppers are known to be in hiding. Boxes of the magic pills. Mostly concocted of soap and breadcrumbs, no doubt, are slipped in the places rendered vacant by them. As the quack politely departs, he gives us a supplementary wink, which this time is caught and interpreted by the snob and tailor. I'm gormed, ejaculates the latter, if that ere feller ain't a fraud, and bolts out to tell him so. But the fraud is too far on his journey again to be in any fear of immediate retribution we are once again afloat and bent on devoting the hour or so of our leisure to a jolly little sail in the trim latina that has kindly been placed at our disposal with a favourable wind we sail up and down the broad until we tire of the fun and rare fun it is too to feel yourself spinning along as if the craft beneath you were a living thing. Now this way and now that speeds the buoyant vessel with the water hissing around your bows and bubbling astern as you cleave the sparkling waters. You feel a delightful exhilaration, a pleasant excitement as you dash past swaying reeds and nodding rushes and the remnant of the water lilies part to let you speed on and on you forget awhile the cares that press heavily upon you in the toiling workaday world and you return to them all the better able to cope with their stern realities the coots and the moorhens fly into the shelter of the densest reeds and wonderingly hold their peace as you bear down upon them and mayhap scandalise you with returning confidence. But a continuity of pleasure, like that of work and worry, becomes wearisome at length, and presently we glide into a secluded nook, lower sails, and make the painter fast. We step out upon a low-lying fen. We have promised to take home a few broadland plants to a botanist friend of ours here before us they lie spread in confusion unfortunately most of them have done flowering and are past their best we gather a few that we may and may not get thanked for here is the marsh sinkfoil, one of the sundews the marsh veronica some half a dozen others complete the list for before we've had time to travel far across the shaking bog The weather has assumed so threatening an appearance that it is deemed advisable to make for the shelter of an old boathouse at a not far distant corner of the broad away over the ruffled surface we glide reaching the tumble-down place only just in time to avoid a pelting shower we have seen but few birds today rapid movement is of course prejudicial to observation and is anything but appreciated by the quiet loving creatures whose haunts we are intruding upon a few late swallows are still darting up and down but they like their prey have become perceptibly scarcer many of the sedge birds have taken their departure but while the soft-billed species are sensibly decreasing hard-billed seed-eaters are on évidence the whistle of the greenfinch the pink pink of the chaffinch and the familiar call of the linnet as small parties pass overhead are heard from time to time there is a marked absence of birdsong there is a decided quietude in the outlook too there are fewer yachts and the bulk of the anglers have already put their rods aside for the season and have shouldered the gun instead the unhappy coveys of partridges are faring badly while the corn was yet standing they had a safe and ready retreat from many of their enemies but the stubble is cut so short that it offers them a very poor hiding place and their worst enemy is out of field in search of them. In the daytime, they are glad to skulk in the groves and covers, and at night, for fear of marauding animals, they seek the open. The report of the gun becomes a familiar sound. The boat house is a rude structure, and in a state fast verging on decay through a hole in the roof an alder is pushing its leafy branches in amongst the thatch the sparrows often make merry a pair of marsh tits are flitting and scrambling amongst the rafters they are in quest of hiding insects but we are not the only temporary tenants of the old shed a big brawny fellow with a game bag slung beside him from which the brown head of a wild duck is protruding has arrived before us his costume betrays his avocation he is a gamekeeper like most men who lead a lonely existence he is reserved and cautious but like them when once thawed into conversation becomes communicative enough It is some minutes before we are on such good terms. We silently watch the downfall together. Reassured by the quietude, the waterfowl venture out again into the open. Grebes and their striped progeny, and coots with a younger generation, nearly as large as themselves, and a whole family of moorhens, paddle out from the reed clump some to vanish in the one opposite, the remainder to dip and play and fish until disturbed again by our unwelcome presence. "'See them starlings?' our new friend queries, pointing to a huge flock comprising some hundreds, wheeling and manoeuvring in a most well-timed and marvellous fashion. "'Well, I'm going to give them what cheer-o this evening.' my governor has suffered enough from them a settin on the reeds or roostin that he says i must do some execution among em you'll be astonished at the damage they do a breakin down big patches of em there's at least a quarter of an acre spiled already in that patch in front of us i don't like wholesale slaughter but a feller is paid to do his duty Y'all think it funny but I like em for eatin' as well as I do any bird as is flyin'. I skin em, cut their hinder parts away, and bake em in a pie. Then some of them poor rogues will be in a pie tomorrow. That's the one redeemin' feature in the business. I get laughed at for some of my notions. I'm teetotal that's something new hereabouts in a gamkeeper not as i know many on em as a drunkard's i don't want to become one so thinks i prevention's better'n a cure my class you know too often get a downright love for killin' almost everything they come across they think they're doing their duty and so they kill every mortal thing as they imagine is likely to do their game birds a mischief either in the egg or feather. Lord, gentlemen, we've got credit for doing the biggest mischief in the way of wiping out our rarer birds, and with some degree of truth I'll allow ye. Lost British birds ha put down that to our credit. There's a book, you know, of that name, just published. Well, I was a-readin' it, and thinks I, Jack Manley, that's me, you know, ain't so bad, I guess, as some of his neighbours. No more is his master. He is doin' his best to preserve some of the species, and I aids and abets him, for, as I've thought these years past, What a pity it is that our native races of birds should be wiped out as they are. There's so many causes a-working against em. Drainage and cultivation. Then them abominable cockney sportsmen as blaze away for killin' sake only from sparrows upwards. Then specimen hunters as have collections. Too many on em, neither use judgment nor common sense. They'll spend a hatful of money and do anything, a most to get a rarin in order to stuff it and shatter up in their crowded cases. More's the shame, so many of my fraternity encourage em and bows the knee to filthy lucre and glory in killin' the poor doomed critters beside. Then the women we're supposed to slaughter. Some makes awful mistakes about them of course we're paid to do soften but it's left a great deal to our discretion some uneducated, stupid fools are dead set on barn owls why never a better game preserver could there be it's rats gentlemen rats as do more mischief to game than anything else and owls is mortal enemies to em then where comes the sense of killin' them? Every little hawk is outlawed. Give me plenty of kestrels, says I. Look, there go a couple yinder, and I'll wager the field mice will not prosper. Kill your kestrels, foster your field mice, and where's your corn stacks? The poor farmer is the greatest sufferer. Then there's bigger birds of prey as is all but extinct with us. When I was a nipper, hen-harriers and marsh-harriers weren't so scarce as now. Now I think hawks don't do near the harm to game as they get credit for. I think, like Canon Tristram, that they're the police of nature. Runnin' in, in more ways than one, the weaklings and the sickly healthy game knows how to take care of theirselves most often if landowners and keepers was only to read up and observe and measure their brains against prejudices things would alter summat but they do not and so they kills and kills and thus clear out the innocent critters and then see what improvements have been made with guns Folks must have breech loaders and what chance have birds agin em? It's bang bang, as fast as yo like. More's the pity the old muzzle loaders have had their day. They did give em a chance, and there was some excitement when you had to load and keep your eye about you while ye did it. Disappointment in shooting from the birds sometimes escaping yo. Made your ultimate success all the more exciting and pleasurable. you see, I still sticks to my old muzzler. Protection's doing good here, gents. We've more ducks than ever. Snipes have bred this year on the fen Yow was walking over. And not far away was more than one nest of roughs and reeves to here. I don't mind tellin' you. "'cause yo ain't likely ever to disturb em. "'A pair o' bittens laid their eggs there too, "'but some lout of a wizard found em. "'I copped em just as he'd blown em, "'but I cracked em for him "'and done most as much to that stupid o' his. "'Not as I did right, "'but the law would only have fined him for trespass. "'There,' thinks I, I can dispense better justice and do it summarily. He wanted to square me with half a sovereign. I took it, bless yer, but when I chucks the half a nicker in the broad, yer should ha seen him look. I guess he u not come here again in a hurry. This slaughter, in course, is good for some of the small birds which have become a nuisance, sparrows in particular look here gents there's a lot as want right siding why didn't the law protect birds' eggs ain't egg collecting for instance thinned out the different plovers look at young peewits time was when we'd thousands bred here thousands of eggs were taken now what a sorry foo there are what more useful bird can you find as wipes off worms and grubs as they did then what is there nicer than seeing all sorts of characteristic birds around you but lor bore tisn't no use o talkin'. too much o the mischief's done avocets and harriers black-tailed godwits spoonbills and bitterns has slipped us only stragglers turning up at intervals in yon elder car i have heard my dad say blue doors or black turns bred in his younger days by hundreds we only see now a few in spring on passage and yet i would live by slaughter well gentlemen that's my callin', surely but though i do raise partridges and pheasants i use a little common sense in what i point my gun at and do i believe in the wholesale slaughter of game birds well i don't see no harm in it any more and killing chickens for ain't they more and half domesticated and bred a purpose a half hour's chat with this strange conglomeration of philosopher and keeper leads to many other interesting topics but time is on the wing and we say good day to the honest fellow the shower has passed over and nature has assumed a most delightful aspect we row our boat to her mooring place for the wind has failed us an aged fenman is examining his eel set as we jump ashore and we fain would edge him into gossip but the wing of time is still fluttering the loud boom of the keeper's gun bespeaks the discomfiture of the starlings which have unluckily for themselves wheeled within range of his fowling piece a bunch of wild fowl pass overhead in hurried flight a wren chatters on a sallow stump beside us at a hedge hard by it and a couple of swans are probing the muddy bottom of a little beck on our left we drop in at the blue boar to enjoy a late but welcome dinner we are this time sole occupants of the sanded parlour save for the presence of the host himself who has much to ask and much to answer and what appetites we've been acquiring two hours later and our steeds are in their usual places in our homes in the busy town chapter nine